0: And Brad had the audacity to tell me, the Jets are going to beat the Raiders. And I'm glad that reality has hit you over the head with a frying pan. And you have been humble. Because that was utterly disrespectful.
1: Welcome to episode 26 of the Go For Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. And Jenna, last week we were, we were celebrating the quarter century mark. Well, this week it's the half year mark, so that's good.
0: I guess. I feel like every episode we're like, ooh, look at us. And I feel like you can do that for almost any number. But um, interesting that it is, yeah, just interesting that you knew that, that interesting fact.
1: Well, 26 times 2 is 52 52 divided by 2. 26.
0: There we go. There's that math that I've been using uh, in my sport analytics classes. There we go. some deep, a deep dive into uh, how many weeks are in a year.
1: We have a lot to get to on this half year episode. Tom Brady slings five touchdowns. Are the bucks legit? Meanwhile, the Browns put up 49 on the Cowboys in a crazy Sunday. And COVID-19 continues to plague the season, and that dark clown continues to follow every NFL fan. But Jenna, we begin today with the Texans. And yes, Houston is 0-4, and yes, they might be the most talented 0-4 team in the history of sport, but yet they are 0-4. And what does that mean? That means that Bill O'Brien has lost his job as the head coach slash GM and after a few seasons, 52 and 48. So he was over 500, which is something that not many more Texans head coaches can actually say. Ironically, he's the best coach the Texans ever had in their young history. Over 500, five times, four playoff appearances, two playoff wins. And yet it was a no brainer.
0: Well, I think one of the things that kind of, or a couple things that come into this is the fact that he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Everyone knew that was a boneheaded move. Um, And so once you do that, and then your team goes 0-4, I'm not saying that having uh, having him is going to completely change the outcome of your game, but he is a game changer. And that's a no-brainer. He's killing it over there in Arizona. So that's the first thing. And then the fact, like on the GM side of it, the fact that they might – You know, they're 0-4 currently, one of the, you know, worst in the league. And you know where their draft picks go? You know who they go to, Brad? They go to the Miami Dolphins. So even if they finish at the bottom of the league, it's not even their picks. They're not even allowed to touch them. So I think all of those, like the coaching side, or I guess more of his GM side, and then the fact that they haven't won a game yet this season, it was inevitable. But I think it was still a little shocking. I think people were still like, okay, Adam Gase is going to be the mid-season the mid or the early season firing. If not him, Dan Quinn. The Falcons are now 0-4. That is, you know, and they've two of those losses came from blowing leads. And we still haven't seen either of those guys lose their jobs. But we saw Bill O'Brien, which kind of came out of nowhere, but was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. So, Brett, I just want to know your thoughts because you are a Jets fan and a lot of Jets fans are asking the question, when are you going to pull the trigger? Like, we're done. When are you guys going to be done with this? I, would, I wouldn't even say mediocrity. It's like even it – it's so much worse. <laughs> so, what are, your, what are your feelings when you see that news?
1: I just can't believe that Adam Guse wasn't the first head coach fired. I mean, I thought for sure I would have – I would have put one of my kidneys on the table just to prove it. But the point is the Jets are standing behind Adam Gase, and we're going to get to this later in the show. Just to relay it back to Bill O'Brien, there's there's nothing there. There's really no reason to keep him because I understand that he's had success in the past, but all of those successful seasons ended with disappointment. Last year, you beat the Bills in the first round, And then you're up 24 points on Kansas city and blow the lead. That was the first strike. I feel like that was Mm -hmm. the first time that Texans fans looked around and said, man, maybe this guy, isn't the guy. And then you're right. The trade, the trade that sent Deandre Hopkins to Arizona for a bag of balls that just made less than no sense. And no one was able to wrap their head around it. You know, oftentimes A coach or GM will make a decision, and as a fan, you might be thinking, okay, that doesn't really make sense, but there's a reason he's doing it, and I'm not, so he's smarter than me. Maybe he sees something that I don't. And four weeks in, a month into the season, we know very clearly that made no sense. DeAndre Hopkins is tearing it up in Arizona. Meanwhile, Houston's biggest Achilles heel – No receivers. No No receivers for Deshaun Watson. So from one of their biggest Achilles heels, they have so many, it's hard to quantify. But yeah, it was a no-brainer. But moving on, the NFL threatens the loss of draft picks and even games. If if the COVID-19 protocol violations continue to roll in, fines are also starting to roll in. The Titans, for example, they had 16 positive cases. A few other positives have been sprinkled with the Patriots, with the Chiefs. So the question, Jenna, is do you think this is a real threat that the NFL is actually going to carry through with draft pick loss with even game forfeits?
0: I don't know. Um, It sounds good in theory. Like, in theory, this makes sense, but that is taking a lot of away. But yet again, the NFL is not asking for much. They're just asking what, as students, Brad, we have to do on a daily basis, which is wear your mask when you're doing things. Like, it's not difficult, but still some NFL head coaches and teams, not adding any coach in particular, John Gruden, it's not difficult to to put on the mask. You're wasting money. But I think we should – we didn't put it as a headline, but the whole Titans debacle – That we talked about last week. I just following sports people on Twitter. It was like the Titans COVID watch. I was gonna use it as my what was trending of just like last yesterday was the first time in the past seven days, so like the past week that a Tennessee Titan did not test positive for COVID, and today is the second day that no one has tested positive for COVID. That. Like, the fact that that's, like, a thing that we are experiencing is insane. And then the whole part about Cam Newton um, and him testing positive for COVID, and then they had to reschedule everything. There's only so much – we kind of talked about about this last week. There's only so much rescheduling that can be done because football is just a different animal. (laughs) So I think this is – this will get teams – on the right track in terms of COVID. Um, COVID rules and regulations, but I don't know if the NFL will actually pull the trigger on this.
1: It's really interesting to me because they're threatening the loss of games and draft picks, which are football assets. But a lot of these violations come off the field. Like the Raiders, for example, the Raiders just saw a bunch of fines. Derek Waller, Derek Carr they were both fined a significant amount of money, thousands of dollars. You kind of jumped
0: my what was trending, Brad.
1: Excuse me, but well, <laughs> we'll get to that in more detail. But thousands <laughs> of dollars because they weren't wearing a mask at the fundraiser. And that is a football problem off the football field. It becomes a football problem because they're football players. And on Sunday, after that COVID-19 violation, they're supposed to perform. So I understand what the NFL is trying to do. The problem is these are hollow bullets i don't know that if they shoot them they're actually going to carry any weight because it's not going to it's not going to help because the actual problem might be actually off the field
0: yeah yeah that's what i'm saying i don't know if i think yeah i don't see it actually happening i think it's a good threat and it will stay as a threat but again we'll talk about that Later on, I mean, you kind of said my whole what was trending because there wasn't much more based off just, like, you know, the headline. But we'll talk about it, I guess, more in depth. I'll figure out some some nuanced points with that. Um, and the Raiders just completely fumbling on this whole COVID-19. Let's figure it out. There's like plenty
1: to talk about later. <laughs> but, hey, back to the Axes and nose. Tom Brady goes for five touchdowns in a 17-point comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers. In a 38-31 victory. For Bucks fans, this is exactly what they were hoping for. Only one interception from Tom Brady. That's only four on the year. So are you buying in on the Bucs after this big comeback?
0: I never, like, there was never a point where I was like, the Bucs aren't legit. When you have as many weapons as you do, when you have Tom Brady under center, it's foolish to count them out it's just foolish. Did I expect them to be at the top of their division and kind of to be potentially for me, the division favorite at this point? Um, no, I, I didn't expect that, but I think we need to put a little bit of respect on the Bucks' name. That's the, that's the best way, um, I can put it. And they played a Chargers team. That's not fantastic, but they're doing, they're doing some things that have been pretty impressive. You know, they forced overtime with the Chiefs. Um, they ended up losing to Carolina, which is an interesting loss that we never spoke about. But Justin Herbert, is, you know, threw three touchdowns against the Bucs. Like they played a team that isn't bad. So I think it's time that we say that the Bucks are legit. There was no point in my mind that they weren't. They did get off to a little bit of a slow start, but welcome to a Tom Brady-led team. Slow starts are what slow starts are what they, they're made of. I remember—I don't remember what year it was. I can probably check this when you give your answer. But I remember just being a sports fan, and the Patriots started owing to it. It probably happened multiple times, and we were like, "It's the end of the Tom Brady era." And I'm pretty sure. Well, they most definitely made it to the Super Bowl because that's just what those Patriots did. Um. But I feel like they might have even won it. And they started 0-2, and everyone's like, it's the fall. It's beginning. Which, that might have been the point where it started to fall. But Tom Brady's still here. He's still doing what the GOAT does. Like, so I don't know. I wouldn't say anyone's really surprised. Because a lot of people had them taking the the division. I just didn't because of the New Orleans Saints, who have had a bit of a rocky start.
1: Yeah, well, I'm just going to be the one who kind of keeps all of us in check. Because just like... A big a bad performance from Tom Brady would make me say this a good performance will too don't let this forget make you forget who Tom Brady is. Tom Brady is old, very old, okay, and just to be frank, he can't do some of the things that made him great he's not the goat i don't want people to call him the goat. He was the goat. he is no longer the goat. to say that the the bucks are playing with the greatest of all time quarterback just wrong. It's just you just wrong You
0: can't lose being a goat because it's, it's over a, a a large span of time. You can't just be like one day you're the goat, one day you're not the goat. No. you the goat or
1: the goat. He's not the quarterback that he was. He's not the quarterback True. that won six rings. That means he was the goat. Okay. Yeah. I, will he? Will he be the goat five years from now? It, it, yes. I understand. He's the greatest of all time, and. He doesn't cease to be the greatest of all time because he's not good at 42, I understand. But the point is, it's a different quarterback, okay? And just because he has a flashback performance doesn't mean that he's not that same quarterback. He has four interceptions. The thing that really scares me about Tom Brady, two of them were returned for interceptions. And if your name is not Sam Darnold, that's typically not going to fly. And, well, Sam Darnold and Tom Brady. So, That, to me, is a little concerning. I know that the Bucs fans are looking at this touchdown-to-interception ratio and saying, man, it's not the best in the NFL, but gosh, is it an improvement. And it is. I understand that. And that was kind of the thought process going in, is the Bucs are so close. The Bucs are a talented team. Let's just get a quarterback in there that's not going to turn the ball over. And that's what Tom Brady has done largely. But he still needs to to tighten it up if he wants to win deep in the playoffs. And I think he knows that too, because he knows exactly what goes into winning playoff games. But onto a team that probably doesn't have to worry about winning a playoff game. Probably neither one of these teams, the Browns outdueled the Cowboys in an absolute shootout 49 to 38. And yeah, it's a big score for both teams. You can look at it from either perspective, man, Baker Mayfield, went for 49. Good for him. Or The Cowboys gave up 38 points, and the defense is allowing over 36 points per game. This is the worst defense in the NFL, Jenna. And we're going to get to more NFC East talk in a bit. But what were your impressions from this wild game?
0: I would like to give uh, a shout-out to the Browns fans out there. They're 3-1. and Like, they haven't been able to say that in at least 20 years. Um, and I thought that I don't know what this means. I thought the Cowboys were better than losing to the Browns. Um, but maybe Cleveland isn't that bad. I mean, they're tied right now for second place in the division with the Ravens. Like they're not they're not doing too shabby, I think that I think the Cowboys aren't as bad as maybe their record shows. Um, And maybe I'm the only one. It does feel that way. Um, But I think this is an impressive win from the Browns. This is the second week in a row. I think, yeah, last week they played the Bengals, I believe. Um, And they looked pretty good in that matchup. No, they played the Washington football team. I didn't watch that game. But the game I did watch on Thursday Night Football against the Bengals, Baker Mayfield, and that offense seemed to open up. And it seemed a little stiff for a while. And everyone was kind of questioning the future with Baker Mayfield. But in that game, it finally looked like they were moving the ball. And then in this game, they're using Odell. Like, they're using him, and he had his breakout performance as a member of the Cleveland Browns. And if I'm a Browns fan or anyone in the NFL, I'd be taking notice. That they're figuring out their offense, which is supposed to be the strong point of their team. Again, I would say this is more impressive than I think people are giving credit.
1: I get it. And yeah, I I don't want to take anything away from Cleveland because three touchdowns for Odell at a time when I've heard people go stock down on probably the most talented wide receiver in the league. It was a crazy time when people said that Odell wasn't very good. And now he's trying to silence the doubters. And I don't want to take anything away from the Browns, but I think I have to because this Cowboys defense has been just dreadful. Their only win came when they had to score 40 points and they slipped by the now 0-4 Atlanta Falcons 40-39 to 39, okay the defense is just deplorable and I remember back in the summer when we did a story on how Gerald McCoy would miss the season I think it was the first practice he got hurt or was very early in camp Yeah. and we asked what will be the impact of this, of this injury and I said well I remember what I said I said, well, they're never going to fully recover from Gerald McCoy's injury. That doesn't mean that they're sunk. That doesn't mean that their playoff aspirations are over. Turns out I was only half right. They would never recover from that injury. And the defense is so bad now that there's no way that this team can make the playoffs, right? Brad, do you know what
0: division they're in?
1: I understand. They could still win the division easily. Oh, easily. I get it.
0: Yes, they can make the playoffs. I that I, logic.
1: I guess, but fine. Maybe they can make the playoffs because they play in the worst division in the history of football. There's no way they can win a playoff game, right?
0: Yeah, that, that is a little more plausible. I think they're also, you said, so I think you're, you're, you're right for, for the most part on, on that take. And they're also mi- missing linebacker Leighton Vanderush, I believe. Yeah. Um, he ends. I always I will die on the hill that the linebacker is one of the most important positions, in football. if not the most important, just because i've seen what it does to defenses <laughs> um i've seen what it has done to my own having poor linebacker play, and we're seeing what it does to the cowboys they're not very good without their starting linebacker. <laughs> So it is a little bit of a mess. I think that they can turn it around. It's similar to the question we asked last week about, should we push the panic button in Philadelphia? Um, And I was like, no, because the division. And I think that's going to be throughout the rest of the the season is going to be the division. That division is going to be fun to watch in the worst way. (laughs) In the Worst. worst way, because it's so bad.
1: Let's stick with it then. The Eagles okay. pick up win number one, but the question is, was it a Philly win or a San Francisco loss? It was 25-20, Carson Wentz against Nick Mullins. And are you crediting the Eagles for the win or San Francisco for the loss? San
0: Francisco for the loss. I'm glad you asked you put this question in the doc, Brad, because that was going to be my question about this game. Because I truly felt in the moment when I saw – Nick Mullins throw that atrocious interception. I was like, this is not an Eagles victory. That was nothing that the defense did. The defense did nothing special. He threw the ball to you, like very explicitly. This threw it. I'm watching it right now on this. No, I'm not. I'm watching a, a touchdown. Never mind. I'm on the ESPN summary. And oh my goodness. I instantly was like, this, they're going to lose this game because of that interception. You can say, oh, team this, team that, the defense this, the defense that, the offense this, the offense that. But it was that Nick Mullins interception that decided this game. And no one can tell me otherwise.
1: Well, be careful because you're, you're disrespecting a first place team right there. The Eagles at one, two and one to the top the NFC East with the winless football team and giants at the basement and the one and three Cowboys in second. So that, That NFC East is truly the worst division I have ever seen in the history of football. And I understand you don't want to give the Eagles credit for the win, mostly because of Nick Mullins and the interception. That makes sense. But also, just think about how injured San Francisco is. My gosh. I mean, to lose Ezekiel Ansa, another defensive end, on top of Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, Jimmy Garoppolo is still out. It's just... How can you possibly win when your defense is just depleted and your quarterback is gone? It's tough. I will say this though. How about George Kittle in his return? 15 catches for over 180 yards. 180 yards for a tight end.
0: Not you you say it like it should be shocking, but he's the best in the NFL, right? So yeah. this is it is 100, 180 yards, but a, quarter, a back quarterbacks coming in, they're going to throw to their most reliable target, which is George Kittle, regardless if he was, you know, previously injured, no matter what, he's going to throw it to him. Something that was interesting to me that I saw on um, the pregame was Kurt Warner said that Nick Mullins knew the offense better than Jimmy Garoppolo which was interesting and just, like, was a take that kind of fell through. Because um, Nick Mullins did not – I don't even think Nick Mullins is that bad, but it just – it was a take that went ice cold <laughs> after after the, watching this performance. And, again, it might have been – also, he says Jimmy G's more talented. He just thinks Nick Mullins has a better handle on the, on the offense. But um, Nick Mullins was later benched. <laughs> so, it was – it was a complete mess, and the mess was a blessing to the Eagles and handed them, literally put it into their laps Said here, well, or literally you know, tossed it to them because that's exactly what happened. Um, so good on the Eagles. They, I, I said not to hit the panic button and look at now. They're on the top of their division, <laughs> which is not saying much. But we have some more games to talk about. We also have just some topic points. We saw a lot of replacement quarterbacks. We had Brent Rippon, Nick Foles, Nick Mullins, who we just spoke about, and then Brian Hoyer Hoyer slash Jarrett Stidham last night. Did any of these performances stand out to you? I feel like they were all kind of mediocre. They all ended in losses for the teams.
1: Yes, they all ended in losses. Except
0: for the Broncos.
1: Yes, that's true. So the, of course, but that was a bye week that the Broncos had, right? Wasn't that the nineteen for thirty-one, two hundred and forty yard, two touchdown, three interception bye week. Yeah, I yeah, guess.
0: there was no way Denver wasn't winning that game.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, the thing that really sticks out to me is Nick Foles because I had no expectations for any of these names besides Nick Foles. I'm not going to lie to the Go For Two podcast faithful. I picked the Bears to win this game mostly because of Nick Foles, and he goes out there, goes 26 for 42, 250, a touchdown and an interception. Those aren't terrible stats, but the point is, you're not the reason that your team won. You're not the reason you t- your team lost, and at this stage, with the Bears' defense a little underwhelming, with the Bears' offense a little depleted with Tariq Cohen out, I kind of needed Nick Foles to be the reason that Chicago won or lost. the had to be more aggressive, so that to me was a little disappointing, a little standoffish for me because I almost feel like Trubisky could have done that. You know, one touchdown, one interception, two fifty for a pretty bad uh, completion percentage. It's almost like why play fools if that's what he's going to give you. So that really stuck out to me. That's
0: kind of what I was saying. I'm just like I when you asked me whether or not I thought we'd see Mitch Trubisky again, I said yes because I feel like they're kind of at the same level with Nick Foles potentially having a bigger upside. And that's the thing about Foles is that's what he does. He will not cause you to lose. He will cause you to compete a little bit, but he's not going to win you a game. He's not going to put the team on his back, and that's why he's usually not a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's why he's a backup. Um, So – I picked the Colts because I knew the Colts' defense has been extremely, extremely stout. They've been, they've been really great. Um, I may not be the biggest fan of Phillip Rivers, their quarterback, but I will give that team their due and their defense. Their yeah, due.
1: But, but put yourself in my shoes. You know, I'm trying to pick that game, and I picked the Bears. I understand the defense was fantastic last week, but they went up against the Jets. I thought it was fool's gold.
0: I I know. I, I think the Colts the Colts are a good team. <laughs> They're a good team and Less we already one. said that Sorry, the Chicago hair. Bears iPad. were Sorry. the Chicago Bears were the worst three no team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. I I was I picked um the Colts to win that and I was very that comfortable was, with that. That
1: was the crazy thing though, is that I was very much on the side of the, the Bears are not good. This is fool's gold, that they're 3-0. Don't get caught up in the whole hype train. They're going to win the NFC North. I was not Team Bears. But I still thought that they would slip to 4-0 because I don't know why. It was mostly just a feeling. I thought that the Colts maybe were a little, I don't know, they jumped off the tape a little too much just because of the opponent they played. But it turns out I underestimated the Colts. Lesson learned.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to dwell on this too much longer, but the thing with the Colts with me is that one loss. They lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's not good. <laughs> like, we thought maybe they would, you know, do some things. I, I gave credit to Gardner Minshew because I still don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think that just team that team is in paint mode, Um, and so Gardner Minshew can only do so much, but that's the one thing about the Colts that kind of trips me up. Maybe it was just the week one thing, you know, just the – We had to get all the jitters out, and we'll see where the Colts go. Um, The thing that was interesting to me was the pick to to start Brian Hoyer over Jarrett Stidham. Mm -hmm. Only because we've heard this whole offseason before they signed signed Cam Newton that Jarrett Stidham was the guy. Like, we love this guy. Belichick loves this guy. Okay, then given the opportunity to – he was going to be your starting quarterback, supposedly – why didn't you start him? You ended up having to play him anyway in the fourth quarter, and he didn't do much better than Brian Hoyer. He came in and he threw a nice touchdown pass and then was cold the rest of the game. Um, so that would be my question. Like, you, you put so much into this guy. I feel like there were hours upon hours on sports television and radio spent talking about Jared Stidham. And for what? <laughs> for Like, wasted time that was just that was like one thing that stood out to me out of these four quarterbacks everyone else kind of gave me what I expected
1: yeah I would have liked to see Jared Stidham for a, a full game too they combine for 20 20 for 37 only 170 yards between the two of them one touchdown came from Stidham and three interceptions so it was disappointing to me and I almost feel like New England didn't even give themselves a chance
0: Yeah, they – well, they did what I do. I see the Chiefs on the schedule. All right, Chiefs win. And it definitely would have been a different story if Cam Newton was was healthy and able to play in this game. This game would have been competitive. But they had to put their best foot forward, and I don't even think they did that. So, (laughs) interesting strategy. Uh, We're going to move on. We have a lot of Raiders talk in this podcast in the back half. I'm going to be honest with you guys, and this was not for my doing. Brad, Brad created the rundown, and I see, and I look, and I said, we're just going to talk Raiders all back of the pod, and I'm here for it, but it starts on a low note. Um, I wouldn't even say that big of a low note, but the Bills, you know, they best the Raiders 30-23, to 23, give Las Vegas their first loss in Allegiant Stadium tier. Um, are, is Buffalo the best challengers to the Chiefs?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because this should be all about Buffalo and not about Las Vegas. Yes. The bills are legit in the most legit way because Josh Allen right now, he's playing like an MVP candidate. I'm not saying he's going to win the award. I'm just saying he has to be in the conversation because the things that he has done to carry this team, only one interception on the year going into this game and 10 touchdowns and that touchdown to interception ratio You look at his rookie year, and you can't even recognize him anymore. Different quarterback. And he still has those young gun aspects to him that everyone kind of liked in his rookie year in 2018, which was, oh, man, this guy can run a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. On top of that, they probably have the best receiving core in the league, and their defense is definitely top five, if not the best defense. So, yeah, I'm looking at the Bills. I'm looking around the AFC, the AFC, and I'm thinking, the Ravens, I guess? They already lost to the Chiefs, so give me the Bills.
0: Interesting. I'm happy. I'm glad. I mean, it makes me feel a little bit better that you said this is more about Buffalo than Las Vegas. And we only were down by a touchdown, but, again, we'll talk about that later. It wasn't close. But the thing is, the question is, are they the best challengers? And I guess I would have to say yes, but you know where I stand. There, is, there, there are no challengers. The Chiefs are just so much better. And I know that that sounds a little outrageous, but this team is a little outrageous, what they're doing. They have a strong defense. I wouldn't say it's you know spectacular, but it's strong. And they have one of the best offenses we've seen in our lifetime. <laughs> like, they're, they're fantastic. And they played the Ravens, which were supposed to be, they're you know they're equal or people picked I still can't get over the fact that all four of the analysts on Monday Night Football said I'm picking the Ravens because that puts them above the Chiefs and I don't even think they're equal to the Chiefs and they were supposed to be the best the best thing the best bet you had Lamar Jackson you had all the star power on both teams this was going to be an explosive matchup and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs put that to bed very quickly And they did it in, they went for the jugular. And to me, I was already saying the Chiefs, there's no one that could beat them. That showed me that they're willing to prove that to anybody and just keep pushing the gas pedal on it. That should be scary to any team who has to face them. And we're facing them next week. So I'm scared out of my pants. But I guess the Bills are the best challengers. I, I like what you said, that they have a very complete team. And I don't think a lot of people gave them credit for that going into this season, but we've seen it. The acquisition of Stephon Diggs has been huge. He received for over 100 yards. He had a big catch downfield that basically put the game away. Um, so I think right now they're the best option, but the Chiefs are just so, so good. And it's very frustrating and annoying, but they are. And I don't see anybody anybody beating them. On the AFC side. On the AFC side. We have some interesting teams on the NFC side. We have Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers. That's what we're gonna talk about right now, but I'm gonna put a little bit of Seahawks stock in this as well. Um, without Devontae, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers went twenty-seven for thirty-three. For 330 yards and four touchdowns, I had him starting on one of my fantasy teams, and he he got me the win. He got me the win, so I appreciate you, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he threw zero interceptions. So does this put, I mean, definitely puts Aaron Rodgers in the MVP conversation, but this, does this put him at the top of the list? He did it with nobody.
1: Yes, uh, that that would be the quick answer, and 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 this is hard for me to admit because Russell Wilson is my MVP pick, but to be frank, Aaron Rodgers has done a lap around Russell Wilson this year, and it's not no indictment on Russell Wilson either. But you look at you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers, and it's just incredible. Only three sacks, which is by the way best in the league. Top five in touchdown passes, just like Russell Wilson. Top five in yards thrown, just like Russell Wilson. And the no interceptions thing, that wasn't just last week. He is still yet to throw an interception a month into the season, which is just incredible. I mean, I would kill for my quarterback to go a full game without throwing an interception, let alone a month. So Aaron Rodgers has done that. And more importantly, he's done that with no help, no receivers. Devontae Adams out, Alan Lazard out. And it doesn't even matter because Aaron Rodgers goes 27 for 33 and does Aaron Rodgers things. And I don't want Russell Wilson's team around him to cost him the MVP. But when I'm looking at it, it does matter that Russell Wilson is playing with one of if not the best receiver in the league in DK Metcalf and Aaron Rodgers is throwing to replacement wideouts.
0: I get that. I really do. But right now every the story is getting created. Not saying that it's the story matters. I think it does a little bit. That's part of, I always say it's part of awards in general. There's a story element to it. I'll use a weird example that I don't know if our listeners will be in touch with, but I'm going to use a pop culture example of the Grammys last year. Billie Eilish has four Grammys. The last award that is put is album of the year. And I feel like Ariana Grande's album and Billie Eilish album, they were pretty knotted up at the top there. But what are they going to do? Say, okay, Billy has won four Grammys, but Ariana Grande wins the biggest one of the night at album of the year. It just isn't going to happen. I can, bet my, I can bet my life on, there, there was no way Ariana Grande was winning just because it made no sense with the way the story was getting built. Similar to this. The story's getting built. Everyone's like, Russell Wilson, he's never gotten his MVP. This, he's been, you know, he's been pushed aside by the league, he's underrated, all of these things. And I feel like everyone's hyping this story up. And as long as Russell Wilson continues to play at the elite level that he is playing, it's his award. It's honestly his award to lose. He's going to win this MVP. And I think the fact that he beat the Patriots in the way that, that they did, that they did, um, that the Patriots, that the Seahawks did, Way they beat the Patriots. Goodness gracious. Words are hard this morning. Um, And the Packers, their only impressive win, honestly, was against the Saints. And the Saints are kind of hit or miss at this moment. So I think the opponents opponents have been harder for the Seahawks. And there's just no way that the natural evolution, all right, Russell Wilson, he's going to get a shot. His MVP. This is his year. He's playing great. And then it's like, all right, all of these things, and now Aaron Rodgers, your MVP. People are gonna be pissed. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. They're gonna be upset right now. I saw a tweet that right now the like front runners are Josh Allen, which is an interesting one in and of itself. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and it's kind of like take your pick. I'm I, I think your pick is intriguing, and I think is the second like second to Russell Wilson, and not by a lot, but I'm. I'm sticking with your pick. I'm staying loyal to your pick,
1: and Uh, that is my reasoning. Jenna, I'm glad someone's staying loyal to the pick because I don't know if I can. And you're forgetting about the Aaron Rodgers story, and it's there. I remember when the Packers took Jordan Love in the first round, and everyone's thinking, oh, Green Bay is going to replace Aaron Rodgers. Here it comes. Brett Favre model Aaron Rodgers. He's the next one to go. And what does he do? He turns around and he pulls out this performance in the first month with an offense that a lot of people thought needed an extra weapon, and that would have been the first-round pick that they used on Jordan Love, his replacement. And and it's just not the case. Aaron Rodgers is no – that's why he's the MVP, because he's no narrative needed. Let me just go out on Sundays, throw 27 for 33, 330, four touchdowns, and, of course, no picks.
0: It's again, it's fair. I get it. (laughs) I really do. Um, we're gonna talk about the what was trending. I'll just start because mine was kind of, I I wouldn't even call it teased at the top, it was, it was, it was said. So we're going continuing with the Raiders back half theme. Derek Carr and Darren Waller were the two big names out of multiple players that were fined. Darren Waller, Darren Waller had a charity event for um drug and addiction um prevention which is a if you guys don't know is a big part of his story um I would encourage you to look back at Hard Knocks for the Raiders which that's you know Hard Knocks I kind of I've kind of given up guys just just for a little a little bit I've given up it's way too, too early like we're way too into this season at this point but I'd say go back to the Raiders Hard Knocks and just like watch figure out which episode is like the Darren Waller centric one and it's really interesting to hear his story. So he's using his platform now to continue to spread, you know, spread the awareness for the issue. Um, but the charity event within it – so Darren Waller was fined $30,000. The other players, so Derek Carr and company, were each fined about 15000 So basically my understanding of, of the events is – that Darren Waller kept his mask on the entire time. So the leader of this, of the pack, he kept his mask on the entire time, but a lot of his teammates did not. And there was a viral video, um, which I didn't see, but supposedly there was a viral video of Derek Carr, um, like, walking around with no mask and throwing footballs out into the crowd with no mask. And his response was that they were doing the best they can and they really just wanted the fans to see their faces. And again, I understand them, but you're at a large gathering. (laughs) And you're, whatever your personal beliefs about wearing masks are, like, you represent something larger than yourself. In DC, I know you know this. Come on, man. Like, you are, you, you claim that you're going to be a Raider for life. You are the face of this franchise. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to act like it here. Be a little bit more mature. And okay, recognize that this is not ideal. Fans aren't going to be able to see our faces. I can guarantee we know what you look like. (laughs) And welcome to life in 2020. This is no surprise. I don't know what half of my classmates in my in-person classes look like, who I've never met. Like, it's part of life. You're not going to know what people look like, and you're a public figure, so people know what you look like. So I'd say, you know, think a little bit. Think about how your actions not only affect you and the people around you, but affect the larger organization that you claim to be the face of.
1: You know how some stadiums, some arenas, some ballparks have nicknames, like Madison Square Garden is the Mecca? Yeah. I'm thinking Allegiant Stadium can be the Rose Garden. Because at this point, it might just be the Rose Garden of the NFL, if you catch my drift. And I understand that the players were trying to do this for a good cause. They wanted the fans to see their faces. But you're right. You have to be smarter than that. My what was trending. And gosh, this is when I wish that we were a video podcast. Go check it out afterwards, though. 49ers rookie wideout Brandon Ayuk, play of the year candidate. He hurtled over an Eagles defensive back. At the goal line into the end zone for a 38-yard touchdown. And the thing that was just, besides the hurdle, of course, the thing that was awesome about this play, it was it was a little bubble screen that Nick Mullins, the 49ers, just said, Hey, here's the ball. You have 38 yards to go. Go make a play. And he did. He shaked a bunch of defenders to get to that point down the right sideline and then ended up hurdling the last guy. By the way, just completely cleared him, too. It didn't even make contact in the air, and it was a huge jump. So go check it out after the pod. Brandon Ayuk, Play of the Year.
0: Don't you wish you had, you know, a playmaker like that on your team, Brad? I'm going to use this as a vehicle for a transition into everyone's favorite segment. It's...
1: Fan. Uh. Frustration.
0: That's right. It's another edition of Fan Frustration. And Brad, I'll let you you get us started with the Jets.
1: You sure about this? I'm sure? ready.
0: Let's go. Okay. Let's do it.
1: The Jets are 0-4. The Jets are the worst team in football. The Jets lost to the Brett ripon led Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football. The Jets, again, are the worst team in football. And my fan frustration is that other teams and other fans are convinced that they're the worst teams in football. Don't take this away from me. The Jets are the worst team in football. I was talking to Kevin Claus from WAR the other day, Jenna, and he was telling me, oh, you know, the Jets will win a game. The Jets will win a couple of games. Like, let me look at the schedule for you. And I said, Kevin, why are you pulling up the schedule? You're going to see that every game they play is against a team that's better than them because – They're the worst team in football. Stop giving them credit where credit is not due. The Jets cannot and will not win a game. And I don't want anyone to think, to fathom, that there is any other alternative motive to this season for the Jets than Trevor Lawrence or the number one overall pick, trade it for a King's ransom. Because at this point, I can't think of a different roster I'd rather have or a coach, certainly a coach I'd rather have, to tank for the number one overall pick. The Jets are the most equipped to tank than any other NFL team than I've seen in a while.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not looking good. I just get a little flashback to when we did, when schedules were released, and we were talking about what games we our teams we thought were gonna win, where we think they end up. And Brad had the audacity to tell me the Jets are going to beat the Raiders. And um, I'm glad that reality has hit you over the head with a frying pan and you have been humbled because that was utterly disrespectful and we're to take a moment the moment has been taken now we move on to to my fan frustration which is the reality of being a Raiders fan and I know The last episode was titled Back to Raiders Reality, and I think that it's ironic that now is when I decide to talk about this for the fan frustration. And I saw a a tweet, a post, a photo from Raiders posts on Twitter. That's how I get all of my Raiders information. Um, And it's, again, I do wish that this was a visual, you know, a visual podcast just because I have pulled up on my phone a Diagram. And it is a triangle with arrows all around that kind of like make, make it fluid that everything kind of affects the other, if that makes sense. And so at the top, at the pinnacle, it says, I get my hopes up. And then the arrow moves to the next part, the bottom right hand of the triangle and says, I get disappointed. And then we move again to the left side and it goes, I start to believe again. And then we go right back up to I get my hopes up so this is how I feel it was the most visually appealing thing just because I was like that is relatable thank you Raiders Post for giving me some relatable content that I needed on my Monday I would it's not even victory it's losing Monday I don't know what you call it if it's not victory Monday it's the Monday after loss which always stings a little bit but this kind of was like thank you I'm not the only one who feels this way like, I talked about it a little bit last week, but focusing on it now of just, like, the Raiders will keep, will reel you in. At least for the Jets, you know you're, you're going to lose, and they'll let you know that you're going to lose instantly. You know the result. The, Ra- the Raiders don't do that. They, they pull you in. They're like, we're going to keep this thing close, and then there's going to be a third quarter, early fourth quarter. Something's going to happen that's going to put this game out of reach. But then we might come back. We haven't really decided yet. So the game ended, as we talked about, 30-23, to 23, and it was not that close. I, it was not a touchdown. It, there was not a touchdown difference. This is the first or the second game I've been able to watch on television, um, and I didn't even watch most of it because by the time I, I was planning to watch the second half, and by the, it was a disaster. <laughs> by the time I got on and logged on, we were trending downward. And then I see that the score ended 30-23, to 23, and I was like, "Up, oh, I guess they did something, but they weren't going to win. So it's just a constant, like, okay. Like, in the beginning of the game, I'm like, the, the Bills are going to win. And then the Raiders keep it close with, by half. Like, we were only down by a few points. I don't know how many exactly. But we just had a great drive, and we scored a touchdown, and we were, I think we were receiving the ball back. And I was like, this is what we love to see. And then the defense fell apart. But in a different way. Because last week, I talk, that's what I focused on. The defense falling apart. And they fell apart, like, first quarter, second quarter, around that time. The Aikings held out to the third quarter this time. Really kept my hopes going out. I'm like, all right, we're playing good. The fourth quarter was a disaster defensively. Raiders fans are calling for Paul Gunther's head. They do not want him as a defensive coordinator anymore. Because we feel like that's holding us back. If we had... We have talent on the defense, but maybe we need someone to coach these guys up better. And Gruden and the defense tried or and the team in general try to stay optimistic after this and we're just like, We'll fix it. Like we know what we have to do and we'll fix it. And I just I it's another one of those hope situations. Maybe that's why I'm such an optimistic fan, is because the Raiders always love to give me hope. And everything that they give, they feed me, I eat it all up. And so I'm hoping hmm. Right, I'll just let you transition to what we're next talking about. I was gonna
1: slide right into it. Go right ahead. I'm already amped up. You sound like a Mets fan, and I wish I could sympathize. Oh wait, I can. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Optimism, disappointment, hope, optimism, disappointment, and hope. But that brings us to big games. And Jenna, you're not off the hook with the Raiders yet. You said you were apprehensive about the Chiefs. Who you got? Raiders, Chiefs. Are the Raiders legit? Can anyone stop the Chiefs? What's your prediction?
0: No one can stop the Chiefs, Brad. Like, honestly, there's, there, there's no other – I can't – I don't know enough Spanish to say it. In, in Spanish, I don't know how many languages I need to learn to explain to you. No one is beating the Chiefs. It's just not happening. It, I just can't see it. And are the Raiders legit? I got called out for being too excited after the Saints game. And I knew that was because we were about to have a long road ahead. We weren't – I didn't expect us to win that game, and we did. So I'm allowed to get excited, I think. I think I have that right when I know that misery is only to come. And this is going to be the most miserable we've been. Um, When we usually keep games close, not against the Chiefs. We'll get blown out. They're going to – oh, goodness. If you have any Kansas City Chiefs on your fantasy teams, put them in. The Raiders cannot stop a thing. And your rookie of the year pick is looking legit, too, because run defense we're not awful at. We're, we're kind of good at that. But pass defense, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a field day, and the Raiders will never be legit until they can figure out how to beat the Chiefs at least once. And I don't see that happening for the next five to ten years. <laughs> Honestly, it's, like, it's kind of like when we beat the Chiefs, it's like the holy grail that we kind of saw, was it 2016, it might be 2016, the first time we beat the Broncos from the whole time I could remember. We had not beat the Broncos, and when we finally did, it was an emotional experience, and we saw the Broncos start to downtick, and the Raiders kind of stayed the same. We upticked for a little bit, and then we plateaued. So I just, we are not legit until we can win once, at least against the Chiefs, because then We'll, we'll probably make a playoff push because of the extended playoff model, but we're going to lose in the first round. Like, We're, we're not going to make it past the Chiefs anyway, so it's kind of like what's the point other than saying that we made it to the playoffs, but that's uh, – the Chiefs win easily.
1: Well, speaking of the Broncos, it's Broncos-Patriots this coming week. We got potentially two replacement quarterbacks up against one another, assuming Cam Newton won't be able to play in this one. It's Rippian against, hopefully, Stidham, maybe Hoyer. So, who do you have?
0: Patriots still. Like, I think that the Patriots backups were dealt a bad hand. Like, you could not have gone against the worst, like, a a worst, like, worst possible team. Like, again, no one will beat the Chiefs. It's one of the best teams we've seen in a very long time. And I, so, th-
1: I tend to agree I think that the Patriots backups looked lost last week so hopefully for their sake last week was kind of a wake-up call. hey Brian Hoyer um, pocket presence might actually be important uh, so hopefully that's groomed in terms of the tape The Broncos are still one of the worst teams in the NFL not the worst team but one of them one of, so maybe yeah. this will be, maybe this will be good practice for the Patriots when they have to play the Jets when they get to play the Jets. Or two, t- two times this coming year. I
0: just have to say that I think that we start Jared Stidham here. Why? Just bite the bullet. Just, like, go do the thing. Yeah. I guess Brian Horton, eh, you're going to win this game, I feel like, with either option. So, might as well go for the young quarterback. that will at least make this game interesting. I don't want to – I've seen way too many Brian Horner games. Like, way too many.
1: Let's, yeah, and I, you know what? Even if Cam Newton is healthy, you should start Jared Stidham against the Why not? <laughs> All right, last one. Bills-Titans, which undefeated team will blink first? 4-0 against 3-0. Assuming this game happens because the Titans, again, had the 16 positive test that derailed their week four matchup against the Steelers. So, assuming this one happens week five, who do you have?
0: Well, Brad, this was the most intriguing one for me because the Titans have been doing some things, and they've been winning games and eking out last second Victories and a lot of their margins are pretty close, but Ryan Tannehill is looking better than we've ever seen him, seen him, and better than he's ever dreamt of playing when he was, you know, under Adam Gase in Miami. I don't even think in his dreams he didn't even think he'd be this good. He is playing spectacularly for what his his like ceiling is, and then you have Derrick Henry paired with that with a pretty strong defense. I don't want to doubt the Titans. But the Bills, you have Josh Allen's Star Power, Star Power, um, his connection with Stephon Diggs. They're doing all the right things and they have a better defense. Buffalo has one of the best defenses in the league. And all that together, it makes it really hard to be optimistic that Tennessee's gonna win. And I really want to pick Tennessee like so bad. I want to pick the Titans. They get me excited. I like this team. I pick them to win the AFC South. Like I am a Titans person, but I know that the bills are going to win no matter how bad I want the Titans to win. I'm realistic. And I want to choose the team that's actually going to win. If I'm doing picks, I'm not going to get spicy with it. I'm never known to get spicy with it. I'm going to go, exactly who's gonna who I think is gonna win, not who I really, really, really hope and I will it into existence. It's just it's just not what's gonna happen. What do you think, Brad?
1: Yeah, give me the Bills. I think they're the AFC favorites to challenge the Chiefs. You're right. I don't know if anyone's gonna beat the Chiefs, but the Bills are right there in terms of being a complete team. Because both of the, both of these teams are complete. I have to wonder if if the essentially buy will actually help or hurt the Titans. I mean, a buy would, in theory, help them, but the 16 positives, what did that do to the team? I don't know. Too many variables with the the Titans this week, so give me the bills. But that's all we have for you on this edition of the Gopher 2 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you have a question, comment, concern, send us an email, go two pod at gmail.com. Also check us out on Twitter at go 2 We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, so go take a listen on either platform, but mostly Spotify, trying to expand that reach. And if you can't find us right away, just type into the search box, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. Thanks so much for making us part of your afternoon and we'll see you next time.